George Carmona is back, and the podcast is back too. We go over what I've been doing over the summer. Then I hit you with some of the segments that I decided to create for the podcast. Our three stars of the weekend. Then we got swipe right or swipe left. I tell you what's hot and what is not hot. Then I cover the lukewarm cinema podcast and how they are sponsoring the George Carmona podcast. I will then hit you with the dirty bird headlines where I go to Twitter and I pick out the trendiest topics. Expect to hear a little bit about Kanye's controversial tweets. Tweet, tweet. Then I give you my NBA Final Four picks and predictions, followed by my favorite segment, the Sugar Daddy segment. I will be picking three sports bets that are locks of the week. I'm trying to get you rich. I'm excited to be back, and I hope you enjoy. Back, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. The hiatus is over. George Carmona is going to be podcasting once again. I am very glad that I get to penetrate your ear canals today. I need to give you guys a quick little update as to mm, what I've been doing over the summer and uh, as to why there was a hiatus. Well, I decided to uh, take a vacation, um, and on that vacation, I proposed to my girlfriend at the time, Cameron, now my fiance. She did say yes. We went to Cancun. We had a phenomenal time out there. Um, it was a much-needed refresher, um, not only just like for um, my mental, but also like physically. I had been doing a lot. I had been, you know, busting out twenty. 21 podcasts I did in a little over a month and a couple of weeks. Like that was, it took a toll out of me. I learned a lot and I'm excited to jump back into it. I'm glad I got that refresher. I'm glad Cameron said yes. Right before that too, though, the most unfortunate thing happened. My computer crashes because I had a windows update that I forgot to do or whatever. So I could not see my screen. So I had to take it into the computer nerds and the computer nerds solved it for me. They, uh, um, you know, took it in, they looked at it, they gave it back to me. I brought it home. It still wasn't working. Turns out they had messed up. I had to take it back. Once I got it back the second time though, I, you know, I had given the computer nerds the shakedown and I'd said, listen here, if you mess up my computer one more time and you don't fix it, I'm writing a bad Yelp review and, and you know, they freaked out. Oh my God. Not a Yelp review. So, you know, I got, I got what I, what I needed to get. I uh, did not get any money off though. I should have, should have like, you know, asked for my money back. Cause that it, it was horrible. How do you get your computer back and then still have it not work? Like the fuck. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I didn't say what the title of the podcast um, is because I am rebranding to the George Carmona podcast. Um, just in case, right? This ever launches and gets big. I do this for the fun of it. I do this for practice. I know that big picture, there's going to be something down the line relating to this, whether it be sports talk radio, announcing a uh, TV color commentary, reporting, whatever. I know that is the path that I am headed down. I know this is the good practice, but I'm like, you know what? Run GMC. If it ever gets big, I will get copyrighted and that shit could get all taken away. So I just was like, you know, screw Run GMC. I'm George Carmona. Let me keep it as simple as that. It's my podcast. And I am grateful for all the support and the love um, that the Run GMC podcast got. I still have people talking to me about it regularly, like pretty much, you know, at least once a week, I hear somebody saying, you know, you should have this person on as a guest or, um, you know, I really enjoyed listening to it. So I appreciate everything and all the support that I got um, for the time that I was doing this. But now I'm back. I know what I want to do. I had this vision and I said today out of all days, it's time to execute. I've been preaching a lot of motivation, planning, goal setting for my kids. So I set a goal for myself today um, as to get this podcast going you know, 
even though I don't have my good camera all set up like the way I want to do it, even though, you know, it's a little more sloppy than what I would like, I need to jump. You know, I need to burn the bridge. I need to stop being a lazy mofo and just get going on it, right? Golfing, I need a little break from. I also need a little break from uh, playing Xbox all the time because that's what consumes my life after I finish teaching for the day, Xbox and golf. And I'm tired of those. I'm ready to get back um, into the podcasting game. So that is the intro. It's time to move on to our first segment. These uh, podcasts that I am going to have on Mondays and Fridays um, will be segmented shows. I'm going to have a lot of different segments. I'm going to explain the segment beforehand so you're not completely lost when I'm going through it. Um, but you guys let me know what you think. Let me know what segments you guys would like to hear. Let me know any improvements I can make. But we're going to start off with the three stars segment. The reason I chose three is because I want to choose three um, either sports or topics to rate stories that have been flowing in those uh, sports or topics. So I, today I'm choosing the NFL, the NBA, and my own personal life stories. I'm going to give you three stories and rake them from one star to three star based on importance. Here we go. Starting off with the NFL, my one star story of the week is the GD Brownies, the dog pond out there in Cleveland. The Brownies got their absolute tushes whooped by Lamar Jackson and what could possibly be the AFC champion, Baltimore Ravens. Um, the final score was something in the 30s to six. They scored six points. Um, and it so happened that the kicker had missed the extra point on the only touchdown they scored, and he also missed a field goal. So, you know, the Browns front office was like, we got to set the tone on the season. Not only is it not acceptable to lose to Lamar Jackson, but if you miss a, if you miss a kick, you know, pack your bags, buddy. Your key card doesn't work to get into the facility the next day. They fired their kicker. They said, let's bring on a new one. Missed extra point, missed field goal. It's week one, you know, there was no preseason. I know that like, you know, kicking is very similar to golf. You know, you do it a million times. Perfect. And then it comes to the situation where it's in the game. You got the lights on you. You know, your, your, your hands are a little sweaty. Even though you're a kicker, your hands get sweaty and you get really nervous. Maybe your feet start to sweat. Buddy shanks too. Gets fired. But that's that's the Browns in a nutshell. That's why they lost. People, they're just the overreact capital of the world. And the reason why I want uh, people to like overreact on them now is because, to be honest, I think they're going to be an underdog in a lot of these games and they're going to end up seeing uh, they're going to end up scoring more than what they scored this past weekend. The Baltimore team is solid. OK, six points. They're figuring it out. Um, you know, they get a new coach every year. It's fucking tough to develop any sort of chemistry. Poor Baker Mayfield's getting yelled at by Odell, getting yelled at by the dog pan in the background, just saying, look, Baker, what do you, you know, George Carmelo looks like Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it's just not acceptable. Not acceptable. He was doing the podcast over the summer instead of throwing footballs. The fuck is that? But the Brownies aren't done. I promise you, don't give up on them. They, they're bound to score some points here. I mean, they got athletes. You, you know, when you got juice, you now have Kareem Hunt that you can give the ball to. Um, and you got a leader. Like Baker Mayfield, I, as much as people don't like him, he's a leader. Okay? He's the only consistency that the Browns have seen in the last three years. So I think, um, like, you have, like, a three-year window with the Browns where it's like, you, uh, you're a captain now. You've been here for three years. That's my one-star story. Second, two-star story. The two-star story of the NFL weekend is Killa Cam Newton. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, could have taken buku money from any NFL team looking for a head coach, says no. You know, I know Tom Brady's old ass is out of here. I know that Bill Belichick has got everything. He's got a tight ship, you know. When you're in a good situation as a coordinator, you stay. You stay. Freddie Kitchens should have should have stayed being a coordinator. Now he's a fired head coach. Matt Patricia should have should have stayed being a coordinator. 
And if the Lions have another losing season, he'll be a fired head coach. You know, Josh McDaniel said, whoa, I can stay in, in uh, Boston and I can just freaking wait till Tommy Terrific leaves so I can install this dope-ass offense that involves Cam Newton running the ball 15 times a game. People forget that Cam Newton is the biggest player on the football field every time he steps on the football field. He's built like a defensive end, and he runs like a gazelle. My God. He would be like my least favorite person to tackle in the NFL. Like, And I mean, Derrick Henry's up there. But I think Cam Newton would eat me up more like because I remember being a linebacker quarterbacks that can run and stuff. You know, you have to deal with a lot of things. You know, the running backs going downhill or left to right. You know, quarterbacks can, you know, they'll drop back. They can read stuff and they, you know, they can fucking take off in any direction. And then you got size like that. He's got a little bit of shiftiness. I expect no less than. Nine to 10 carries from Cam Newton a game. And a lot of these were, were set up by the run game. I think we're really trying to, we're fully seeing like, you know, the Belichick system and the offense come to fruition, extremely tough defense, pound the rock on offense, control the clock, demoralize the other team, win the game that way. At least that's how they did it for the, for the dolphins. The dolphins also are trash. They are going to start to a probably four or five games from the end of the season. If Fitzpatrick somehow starts to kick it up, if not, he'll be in there sooner. Um, it blows my mind that team like f- I get Ryan Fitzpatrick's a veteran, but move on from that shit. Okay. That's my two star killer cam is back. Now my three star story from the NFL. My God are the sea pigeons unstoppable. That Atlanta Falcons team is no slouch. You know, you have to put up points against them um, in order to stay in it. And, you know, Russell Wilson in my opinion, he, he, he could possibly be the best quarterback in the NFL um, based off of like the consistency of his, his play and his throws. I feel the thing that sets him apart from like Patrick Mahomes is like the way in which they acquire their yardage. You know, Russell Wilson went 31 for 35, only five incompletions throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. You know, Patrick Mahomes will do that in maybe 10 less caught passes. He'll he'll do it in like for like 21 for um 26, 21 for 30, right? But he gets those big shot plays, you know, r- shit that really is downfield. I'm not saying that Patty Mahomes can't slice and dice, but a game manager being able to read uh, defenses. And, and he also has legs. That's another thing that sets him apart from Patrick Mahomes is his ability to run. You know, he's good for f- 30 to 50 rushing yards a game from just ev- evading a sack and sprint, scrambling out of the pocket, making a play. And he slides like a freaking like a baseball player because he plays baseball. No fooling, right? So I'm thoroughly worried about the Seahawks in the um, in the NFC. They're gonna they have a tough division, obviously, with uh, the 49ers and uh, and the and the Cardinals. The Cardinals looked legit on Sunday, but I think the thing that is finally clicking um, with the Seahawks is their defense it showed it showed its vulnerabilities i mean they got torn up in the secondary but when it comes to to shutting down a, an effective running back and that team they had a decent offensive line the falcons are no slouches they ran the ball like shit all because that seahawks defense and their, that front four is really strong i think they held todd Gurley. it was 15 carries uh to around like 50 yards you know what i mean that's really impressive and and no touchdowns God, I'm watching the the Monday night football game right now. The uh, Derrick Henry just got blown up in the backfield. You don't really ever see that happen. My God, hold on. I got to see this again. So Derrick Henry, it's third down, or not third down, second down. Derrick Henry gets a little toss up the middle. Oh, he was running. Derrick Henry was running laterally. The linebacker filled his gap, made a great form tackle. I got money right now in the tight ends at the end of the third quarter to, uh, I they're, Minus a half a point. So all I need them to do is just score here. Score here, get a stop, and I'm set. 
I need the Titans to do this. It blows my mind. It's 7-7 right now in the third quarter. I would have uh, expected this game to be a little lopsided. But I think it's just that AFC magic that a team in the AFC will have like this a magical run, similar to how like Jacksonville had a magical run uh, two years ago where they made it to AFC championship. Titans last year, AFC championship, botched it. Third, third and three, got the first down. Awesome. So that's the NFL three stars. Moving on to the NBA three stars. The one star story of the week is Jimmy Buckets. He made a comment that the Heat have better basketball in them than what they've been playing, to which I say bullshit. I think the Heat have been playing absolutely out of their minds lately, and I know that's all they're capable of. Um, the only thing that would set the Miami Heat apart from or would take Miami Heat to the next level would be a big, you know, Bam Adebayo is amazing, but you need one more big or one more wing player similar to uh, Jimmy Buckets that could like, I don't know, control a game on defense a little bit better or maybe guard their second best player. There's still one player away. I think the Celtics definitely got that team um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I will predict uh, later on in the show what I think the series will end up at. But there's no way that the Miami Heat could play any better than what they played. They thoroughly played their asses off against Milwaukee. And I took them in an, uh, as an underdog, I think, in game two. After I saw what happened in game one, I'm like, oh, my God, that's what the Celtics would have done to Milwaukee had they played Milwaukee. You know, they have no better basketball in them than what they played against Milwaukee. I promise you. The only thing they could do better is just defend the their shooters. You know, they had a real tough time stopping Chris Middleton. And I mean, even in the, uh, even in the losses, you know, Middleton was still getting his buckets. That Milwaukee team's a fucking lost, lost cause, though, right? They're very similar to another team that I'm going to talk about in a three-star story. Moving on to the second star. Jason Tatum is the second Kobe Bryant. I'm saying it. Jason Tatum is thoroughly capable of taking over games, just like how I saw the Mamba take over games from that 2006 to 2010 run he had where he was in the Western Conference Finals damn near every year, and he was making it to the finals, and those teams were fucking tough because Kobe can get his shot whenever he wanted. Jason Tatum can get his shot whenever he wants. He can lift a team out of, out of valleys. So when, when the Celtics start to fucking rely on, you know, Marcus Smart to, to drive and kick, um, we get we find ourselves in trouble sometimes. We really need to focus on on screening and getting our shooters in great spots, taking advantage of people double teaming Jalen Brown and double teaming Jason Tatum, um, and work off of those two as opposed to uh, like this market spark craziness that happens sometimes. Or like we get Brad Wanamaker in there, and I start biting my fingernails because I'm like, it's fucking Brad Wanamaker, you know. The Titans are going to get a field goal here. So I'm sitting pretty Jason Tatum. Uh, he also not only reminds me of Kobe for his shooting abilities and his ability to create on offense and to carry a team when they need to be carried and, and to take that last shot. But the defensive end, Jason Tatum is a thorough lockdown, man. He's long. He's physical as shit through screens. And he's not afraid to, to like trust his length. They missed the field goal. Titans, fire him. Fire him. Can you believe that shit? Wow. Okay. The Titans head coach is like, it's okay. It's okay. Mike Variable. Mike Variable wants to fucking drop kick the kicker. Oh, perfect snap and everything. They're just, what is going on with the kicker? I think it's the empty stadiums. I think I saw a cardboard cutout going like this. Caused him to miss. I was if you know if you're listening to this, I'm moving like one of those uh those inflatable uh air signs that you see at uh or air inflatables that you see at the car sh- um dealerships. 
That's what one of the cardboard cutouts was doing in the wind. Threw off the kicker. Fire him. Why not follow the Browns? Just winning franchise. Okay. My three-star story of the NBA. Houston, we have a problem. The Houston Rockets... I I said this just I've been saying this to so many people. You cannot win series uh, relying on the three ball. Okay, the reason why and and people are gonna be like Golden State did it. What do you mean you can't win the game by just relying on the three balls? You know what Golden State did? They played fucking defense. Okay, and they had a shit ton of points off of turnovers, and they had a, they they controlled the pace of the game, which led to a lot of good three opportunities. They were playing fast. They would steal the ball from you. If they didn't steal the ball from you, they would inbound it down to Steph Curry at half court already, and they were getting the ball moving. Houston doesn't do that. Houston relies on Russell Westbrook with two minutes left. Houston wants to shoot 43s a game and not play defense. Houston needs to fucking dismantle their team and they're already starting Mike D'Antoni D'Antoni said uh you know my project's over you know he was in this old like analytics movement that the NBA had that said oh my gosh you got to follow stats three is definitely more than two you want to take as many threes as humanly possible all right and it's actually better off of isolation and and, and driving kicks um no 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 <laughs> this guy said screen and rolls what set a high screen for James Harden? Huh? Who'd have thunk? Nope. Don't get me wrong. He's the best isolation player there is, but that offense is stagnant and it's the same and it's repetitive. And if you don't hit your shots, you get your ass whooped. And what did the Lakers do? They whooped their ass. Anthony Davis did what he was expected to do when there's no bigs and PJ Tucker down there to tug at his kneecaps. And his in his waist, you know, because PJ Tucker's six foot five, you know, he really got that that big man presence down low that every championship team has. Where did Clint Capella go? Like, did I miss something? Is he hurt? I I, I thoroughly don't know, but it doesn't matter to be honest. Clint Capella would have got shit on too. Houston's done. Dismantle him. Russell Westbrook, go play for like the Hornets or something like go play someplace where you can get you can break your other triple double record maybe even average 40 points a game next to Terry Rozier and Michael Jordan maybe maybe that's what Michael wants you know since you know you're signed on to Jordan and maybe he's just like you know Russell come over here you can just do whatever you want because we don't care about championships either they're Hugh they're Houston we have a problem our ship has exploded in midair mid-flight Enough of the NFL and the NBA. The three-star segment now is going to be about Das personal life and what I've been got, what I've been having going on in my life, right? So here we go. One star, power naps. I've been uh, I've been a king of trying to take like uh, power naps. I tell myself. Um, a power nap's like an hour, hour and a half, and then you get up and then you go do something productive. Um, I'm horrible at this. Does anybody have any sort of tips and strategies on how to nap for an hour? Because every time I lay down a nap, I nap for two and a half to three hours and I set alarms and like, like maybe it's like I need to leave lights on because I have blackout curtains and, you know, the lights are off. I'm like, it's like pitch black. So it's really easy to like stay asleep. Like what tips can the listeners give me to take a power nap? They are productive. After I wake up from a two and a half, three hour nap, I do tend to get one to two things done. And lately those one to two things have been uh, laundry and... Uh, going golf, not productive things. So I got five minutes and 50 seconds left in the third quarter. Titans have a chance to win me this bet. Here we go. Number two, my two-star story is golf. 
and why the flip have I been golfing as much as I've been golfing? It's addicting, man. It's really addicting when you start to get half decent at it because, you know, you, you see more than one good shot in a round and you're just like, oh my God, like I'm really capable of, of doing this more often. And then you have it. I, guys, I've been going out so much. I'm talking four times a week every day over the summer. And I go out to golf on Sunday and I couldn't drive the ball more than a hundred yards. And it was just like, I was nose diving them. I had no clue what was going on. You know, it was like one of those mornings where it's like, I'm, I don't, I can't figure out how to do this. Sucked. It thoroughly sucked because then I started with like four holes left. I started using my three wood cranking the shit like 220, 230 straight. And I'm like, oh my God. Now I have to start using my three wood off the tee. And it's like, I could have, I could have had this happen at the beginning of the round. It would have made my score maybe half decent. I played in the high hundred. I played like shit. Why do I do this? Why do I do this to myself? That's the second story. Why do I do this to myself? That's why I'm back here in the podcast studio. Because it drives me nuts, but I will be back. I will be back. If you golf, you let me know. And we'll go together. I need, I need golf buddies, people that go out regularly and want to get better. Even if you don't go out regularly and you want to hit with me, hit me up. My three-star story in my personal life right now. Um, I highly recommend if you um, need something to do with your significant other or you're, you're just like kind of bored at the house a lot. And you have the ability to paint a room. Me and Cameron painted a room this past weekend. We painted our bathroom. We painted it navy blue. And it was like a, a real therapeutic, like three-hour work session where like, you know, we didn't really talk too much, but we were like accomplishing, like painting. Like she was taping or I was taping. She was painting. Then we all did. We both just got in like this rhythm and flow where we didn't really talk to each other. And then we finished and our bathroom looks amazing. It's such a great, it's like, it's like one of those undescribable feelings when you finish painting. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, you could only look at the negatives. You know, you're just like, I got some paint on the fucking roof, but you know, like at the end of it all, you're like, man, I actually did something productive today. This was kind of fun painting. I don't know. I think it might be some with the colors or something with just that personal sense of satisfaction where you're just like, Man, this feels good. I need to do something like this more often. So if you have a room in your house that you're able to paint, I recommend going out there, setting aside all, all it depends on the room. I would say a room like this, you got to set aside five to six hours because you need it to dry. You need, it's a lot of taping, but very therapeutic. You get in a zone. You find your rhythm, you put on a Joe Rogan podcast or the George Carmona podcast or the lukewarm cinema podcast and you get flowing. That is all of the three star segment. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed that one. Now we're moving on to my swipe left, swipe right segment. I'm going to tell you some things I saw over the weekend that if I saw them on Tinder, I would be swiping left or swiping right. Here we go. Swipe and left. Obviously, I'm going to start with the ugly ones first. Capriati sandwiches. Why in the world are Capriati sandwiches so expensive? Literally. It's a sandwich. They're making like a 700% profit on these fucking subs. I am not ashamed to say that I got very hungry um, one of these past nights this past week, and I ordered myself uh, two medium Capriati subs and a large bag of chips. And I know it's on Uber Eats, but the delivery fee was 49 cents. But then you hit you with this like $4 service fee. And you know, I have to leave a tip, a couple of bucks. I was the delivery driver one, so I know. Ended up being $44. I was like, I just got two, two sandwiches and a large bag of chips. And I spent $40. What is wrong with me? Screw Capriotis. You're sw I'm swiping right. Swipe right on Capriotis. The next thing I'm swiping right on is my teaching obligations. 
oh my God, getting back into school, doing everything online. It's just, it added like, it's my, my second year teaching and it added like this factor of like, damn, I finally had a rhythm going on in person. And now I am struggling online because like in person, I was actually able to, to communicate with my kids a little bit better. They were like my friends. We were okay with like not doing as much content work and doing more like character building work, uh, playing a lot of games, you know, having that like true human engagement that I love as a teacher. And that is just ripped away. And now I have all these obligations like waking up early again. I hate that. Oh my gosh. The six thirty alarm goes off. The six fifteen alarm goes off. I'm just like, <laughs> okay i guess i'll shower and i'm grateful at that moment that i don't have to drive 30 minutes and wake up 30 minutes earlier than 6 15 because i would have to drive 30 minutes to my to my oh, to my school it was miserable miserable that was the only thing that was miserable about it though because now having to do it from home I got all these fun things around me. I got Cameron napping, our favorite activity. I got my dog, Cece. I got Malibu. I got the Xbox. I got my Keurig. I got a nice backyard. I don't want to teach that early in the morning. I wish I could adjust my schedule. I would literally teach from, uh, from 9 to like 1. I mean, we, we teach four hours as it is. We start, well, no, five hours. We start at seven. We end at 1210. For those of you who wonder like what I do, right? Seven to 12 to noon, I'm booked. And then I'm contractually obligated to work office hours till 146. But I tell my kids, you have to schedule office hours, right? Now you know why your professors do it because they have a freaking life. You know, you have to, you have to make sure you set an appointment. All right. Cause I'm usually at the gym dog. I'm getting big right around noon. So swiping right on teaching obligations. I'm, I'm over it already this year. So now what am I going to swipe left? Oh, I'm an idiot. I meant to swipe left on Capriotis and teaching obligations. Swiping right is liking. See, I, I struggled this. I even Googled. I was like, which one's better swipe right or swipe left. And like, I seriously, like, I can't believe I messed that up. All right. I'm swiping right on Atlanta's uniforms though. Those blacked out uniforms with a red lettering, although they're plain, my God, do they look mighty crispy. I want one of those jerseys. Um, it's one of those jerseys that can go with any outfit and I'm not a football Jersey guy, but that right there goes with some bread 11s really well. It even goes with some, uh, if you have some all red vans or maybe some all black slip on vans, oh my God, those will look crispy. Some shorts. Ooh, those Atlanta unis were nice. Swipe right. The next thing I want to swipe right on is Andy Reid's visor. I don't know if you watched Thursday Night Football or not, um, but the Kansas City Chiefs um, thrashed the the Houston Texans. I mean, the huge, it, it's what was expected. Like, oh my gosh, somebody just lost their helmet for the Titans. That'll be face mask first down, Tennessee Titans. But anyways, Thursday night football. Andy Reid's visor. Um, it looked it was it was crispy at first. You know, the first quarter or first half, there wasn't any rain. Um, it was clear. You know, Andy was able to see his play call sheet. He had like one of those face visors on because you're required to either wear one of those dope ass visors or uh or a mask so he chose the visor then it started raining in the second half and brother's visor was getting rained on andy reed had to do a little lift up of the visor his visor comes down like a welding mask i need one of those like i want to start wearing one of these clear welding masks in in public as opposed to a mask i need people to see my face again i started to get a little acne too around the nose i don't know about who else has been getting acne around the nose but hey I don't appreciate it masking. All right. I will get a face visor just like Andy Reid and I might wear it. If, if, if I get one within this next week, I am going to wear this, uh, this visor swipe right on Andy Reid's visor. I'm going to take this time right now to let you know that the George Carmona uh, podcast is brought to you by 
the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. If you are ever in need of a little bit of rest and relaxation from the Joe Rogan or from the controversial Ben Shapiro, or maybe you listen to, to some girl podcasters. I don't really listen to a lot of girl podcasts, but if you need a break from those, the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast is three fine young gentlemen, me being one of them, who discuss movies. We review them. We do character battles. We do interviews. We do casting our own lives as movies. We talk about a variety of topics that are surrounded around the cinema world and what we use for our entertainment. We cover news. We cover what's hot. Listen to the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast, and I assure you, you're going to leave us a review because we're that nice with it. Please go and support Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. If you can, leave a rate and review. Now back to the show. This segment I'm calling the Dirty Bird Headlines. So for those of you who know uh, know me, I have been uh, known to reference uh, Twitter as the Dirty Bird. Because the Dirty Bird always is spreading the rumors, is always spreading the dirt. That's a Trump. Or it's, um, oh my God, it's... <laughs> It's always spreading the dirt. Kind of like a woke left Karen right there. Or a... Spreading the dirt. That's like a little kid who's like... Who's, who knows like Twitter exists, right? So the dirty bird headlines. I just yank off one of those Twitter headlines and I decide to read it. So here we go. This week's dirty bird headline has to do with Kanye West and his controversial tweets that legit came out just hours ago, hours ago. And oh my gosh, I need a touchdown to happen here. Ryan Tannehill drops back, pump fakes, looks at the corner of the end zone, throws it in the, out, of the cor- out of the back of the corner. Actually, that was beautiful. I needed the clock to run there. So, the Dirty Bird headlines. Kanye West shared his grievance against recording labels Universal Music Group and Sony Music in a new series of tweets. Uh, Kanye West wants to see every artist's uh, contracts from those two companies. This is what... Uh, what he wants to wants to accomplish in all this. And these, this is what the tweet thread was. I need to see everybody's contracts at universal and Sony. I'm not going to watch my people be enslaved. I'm putting my life on the line for my people. The music industry and the NBA are modern day slave ships. I'm the new Moses. He later reposted on Twitter, an article from baller alert in which NBA champion Kevin Durant and music executive Steve Stout address the ways in which basketball players are using their platform to speak up on the Black Lives Matter movement. Also, why people shouldn't vote for Kanye for the up in the upcoming uh, November election, like anybody was going to fucking do that. Kanye used a yawning emoji to go along with the retweet of the article. Typical Kanye. Um... But I digress. Here's the next series of threats or, uh, of um, tweets after the whole clapback from KD and that Steve Stout guy. Kanye West goes off and says, I need a public apology from J. Cole and Drake to start with immediately. I am Nat Turner. I, f- I am fighting for us. My bad. I meant Sean. No disrespect to my big bro. I'm not in. I'm not industry, bro. I don't care. Ellipsis. I'm in service to Christ. Ellipsis. We need world heal, he, uh, healing, ellipsis. I miss my brothers, ellipsis. I refuse to argue with black men on labels we don't own, ellipsis, even Twitter. I have the utmost respect for all my brothers. We need to link and respect each other. No more dissing each other on labels we don't own. I'm sure Steve Stout was hurt that he didn't go to the McDonald's deal. Steve's a good man. Trav is a good man. Sure, he's talking about Travis Scott in the McDonald's meal. Haven't tried that yet, but I want to. My brothers, let's rise up. We don't even own these companies. So he's he's like, you know, he's pouring out his heart and saying that, you know, 
why are we working for people that own everything around us? And I think this is a a valid point that's coming from like these artists that um, signed labels and are seeing like these independent people like really early on who aren't a part of like these big labels and say like shit, you know, they're doing it the right way. They're keeping it their brand. You know, it might not be as big immediately, but there's ways to get out and there's methods to get out now um, through managing yourself in, in, and finding actually agents that, um, are able to do what marketing companies do like Sony and universal, you know, it might not be as big right off the jump, but with things like TikTok, with, uh, you know, with YouTube, SoundCloud, with Instagram and social media these days, things get spread like that. He then has a couple more tweets. Let's stop killing each other. Let's show God that we are God's people. My ego gets the best of me too. God doesn't measure us by money in his kingdom. Let's love each other. I love my brothers and I miss my friends. Real talk. I'm sure Kanye has lost a lot of friends since, you know, being Kanye and having all these more controversial tweets. I know he's just speaking his mind, but people lose their minds over that stuff. So. I deleted that tweet about riches. The wealth is in our love of family and our brothers and our service to God. Let's rise up. Let's communicate. So that is Kanye West's message um, to Twitter and all the people that um, have been giving him shit, you know, uh, for wanting to to see like their records or their, their contracts, which I get. It's a personal thing. Like, I mean, I don't think Kanye West is entitled to somebody's like riches like that. I lost my bet, by the way, the, the Titans did not punch it in by the end of the third quarter. It's okay. It's okay. I have more locks coming up after that, but Kanye West is, is a person that he's going to continue just to, to, to stay his own brand. You know, I was listening to the song on the way over uh runaway, the one where the piano do, 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 you know and he's he's like explaining in the song that they need to run away as fast as they can you know and i it it, that message kind of resonated with me in the sense that he's kind of like saying that right now you know like we gotta run away from these companies we don't own we gotta we gotta start sticking it back to the people that have been taking advantage of us Um, but the thing is, right. It's like, don't, then why are you worried about the contracts, Kanye? Like if you are like saying in the later tweets, like you're a man of the people and man of Christ. And like, that's like your entire messaging and your, in your scheme behind all this. Uh, then why do you want to see the contracts? Like, you know, just love them for, for, you know, what they are and what they're doing. You can care less about the riches, but if you do care about the riches, then care about the riches. Like, I don't care, but you he's he's projecting two messages here and that's what Kanye's done his entire career he's projected two messages and uh people love him for some he makes good music people like him and then he says some crazy shit people don't like and and it's it's just like a skewed view on the man that you know is really talented Kanye West I loved his music when I was younger I'm a huge fan of uh power all of the lights um even his new album, uh, All Mine, or the new album, Yay, the one before the the whole gospel one, this kicker missed the extra point again. Holy shit, kickers suck. Okay. Okay, the snap was dog shit. This kid missed an extra point in a field goal. Hey, this is going to play out just like the fucking Browns kicker. He said, fuck, as soon as he kicked it. Yeah, we know. We know, partner. But anyways, I digress. Kanye, I love you for for your music and what you've created. You're a god um, in the music world and that realm. Everything you make sounds different, and I appreciate you for that. You're like you venture out, man. You, you're really a unique artist. But you suffer from the Twitter fingers. Uh, the the same thing Donald Trump suffers from. You know where it's just like are we really read like are we really reading these like before you start going off you know 
because like afterwards, you know, like he took back like two of his tweets because, you know, when you're sending tweets that fast, you're just going like I feel like he he sent that uh, span of tweets in like a 10 minute kind of thing where he's like thinks of one sends it. I'll realize he makes a mistake. Then deletes it or makes says like, I'm sorry for making that mistake. Like it's like plan it out. Think of what you're going to say. Cause you're an influential figure. I feel there's a difference. And then when like, you know, it's just some slap dick saying something or posting something as opposed to Kanye West. It's kind of nuts though. They said in the article, um, people that are voting for Kanye in, in November, like don't do that. And Kanye responds with a yawn emoji. Yeah, because I feel like Kanye knows like nobody's going to vote for me. Are you kidding me? I got booed off stage the one time that I tried to talk to people. I might get like five votes. Who knows? Kim's voting for him. There's no trash can over there. My room is a mess right now. If you were to see what's below this desk, you would... uh You'd be like, damn, I thought George was a little more organized than that. Not. Okay. Now I'm going to take my time, move away from Kanye, and I'm going to talk about um, this NBA Final Four. I think this is fucking awesome that we're getting the four major sports being played right now. Sadly, the Knights lost tonight in overtime, so their season's over. So uh, I no longer care about hockey. Um, could care less what happens in the in the cup. So now we're just down to NFL, uh, MLB, and the NBA. And the NBA is in the final four um, as of tomorrow. So when this comes out, right when you're listening to this, the Clippers are playing the Denver Nuggets on Tuesday night. And that is game seven. And um, so I'm going to start off with that game. Cannot believe the Clips have blown two 20-point leads in two closeout games. To Jamal Murray, Nikolai Jokic, in this really weird put together in Denver Nuggets team with just th- that Denver Nuggets team has insane length, but I feel like like they're they're like one of those teams that um like their rating in two K would be like their defense is like a like a eighty eight eighty nine and you're like oh that's really surprising and then their offense is like a freaking like 79 and you're just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) This makes sense. Like, you know, really good defense, but offense just struggles. Um, and that's the truth. Like their offense really sputters. Like the nuggets really rely on Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic to carry them. And, you know, they're not seasoned enough, um, to beat this Clippers team in a game seven flat out. You got Kawhi Leonard who has been willing his team to at least make these games close. Thank God. Cause if it wasn't for Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, saving, saving the day on the offensive and defensive end, the Clippers would be out of this series and the, and the nuggets I'm sure would have already closed it out. But, um, we're here. It's a game seven. Uh, it's in the bubble. Kawhi Leonard's been playing out of his mind. The nuggets have momentum and that momentum carried them there it's crazy the nuggets are really a great second half team even in their game seven against utah they're getting their their butts whooped early on and then they come back in the second half and they make the run that that uh they're known of they're known for doing like they're known for coming back late i guess horrible thing to be known as as a second half team because sometimes it's just too much to come back from and i feel like if the clippers get up once again early then, you know, I feel the Nuggets are really going to struggle. I feel you're going to see a, a, a new level of physicality. Like that Clippers team is is the more physical team. And they're the more dominant team when it comes to like, oh, we're going to fucking own your ass. They're good at that. And they know how to exploit teams' weaknesses. And they know that deep down inside, Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic don't have like that it. And I really think you're going to see Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, like turn it up just a notch. The Clippers can do this. Like they're the only team in the NBA that I thoroughly have seen. Like, like it's like a thermostat, you know, it's like sometimes we're really hot. Sometimes they're super cold. Like, but like they have the ability to control that thermostat. 
Clippers take that game. I'm going to say final score. We're going under uh, under 200 um, total score. I'm going to say that game is a 98 to uh, 89 game. I'm going to say like the Clips get a couple of really late game possessions. Jamal Murray, Nikolai Jokic make some mistakes late. They capitalize. And then by the time they're playing the free throw game, they get a 10 point lead. Would not bank on them winning. Or I would not bank on the Clippers uh, minus seven and a half, which I think the Clippers are. But I'm saying that is a possibility. So with the Clippers advancing, they face the Lakers. In that series, um, it's all about who gets to two wins first. So if some team goes up 2-0, that team's winning the series. I feel um, momentum-wise, if you win two games in this series, you can propel yourself enough to at least have a shot in that third game. Or if not, you know, like maintain that control that you need in a series to give you that comfortability. Whoever gets to two wins first takes the series. And I think the team that's going to do that is the Lakers. Um, Partially because I want a Lakers-Celtics finals matchup. Partially because LeBron and... Anthony Davis are finding it on offense. They're finding a rhythm and not only on offense, but they're, they're allowing their defense to lead to their offense. And once an NBA team start doing that, that's when they're their most productive. And that's when they're their most dominant. I take the Lakers in six. That will not go to a game seven. On the Eastern Conference side, we got the Boston Celtics and we got the Miami Heat. Now, you guys know I had made a rant earlier on in the Run GMC podcast where I said the Celtics are capable of winning the 2020 championship. And it's coming to fruition game by game right in front of my eyes. They needed to face this adversity in this round because the Heat are very capable of pushing the seven. They have, um, they present... A, a matchup issue with us in the sense that their shooters can run around our wing players. So Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler can really wear down Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Um, and that can cause us problems on offense. However, if we can get out on shots early and we can cause the Miami heat to get down. The Miami heat never played from down that much in that Milwaukee series. There was one game. They got themselves out of a hole really fast. I feel if the Celtics are able to control a game in the sense that for three quarters, they have the lead. The Celtics um, can take this series relatively fast. I see this series going five or six, um, in the Celtics favor, uh, Miami just doesn't have people to defend all of our offensive weapons. And even our, our role players right now are coming up big for us. So when you're looking at the Marcus smart, he is taking such a huge step. He might be the Celtics like best acquisition in the last five years. Because although, you know, we got Jason Tatum, that stud, I said he was a second Kobe Bryant. You need glue players like that in order to win a title. You know, that uh, that uh, 2008 run that we had with the Celtics was fueled by a guy like Rajon Rondo, who can D somebody up and then create opportunities on offense. But you need those studs with that that mix, you know, but that's why I call them key acquisitions, because when it comes down to these big games, your big players are going to play well. It's about who else is getting the shots when those big time players aren't shooting. And I fully trust uh, Marcus Smart in those situations. Celtics take that series and then they advance to the NBA finals. My finals prediction. I can't bet against the Celtics. Um, I thoroughly would, if if this was the series, I would, I would have a party at my house. Every, every game that was played in the series um, because it's that iconic. You know what I mean? It's Lakers Celtics. It's bird magic. It's Pierce Kobe. 
It's Jason Tatum, LeBron James, part two in a big time series. Eastern Conference Finals in 2017, Cavs versus Celtics. You had a rookie, Jason Tatum. Poop on the king. Hit him with a little tomahawk. Pushed LeBron off him. Said, you know, I'm here. This, it's just crazy how this all plays out. You know, Kobe Bryant passes away. And either way, you have these narratives where Kobe's remembered in some sense, which I'm grateful for. Because Lakers win. Everyone's like, man, it, it was destined, you know, this is for Kobe. Like, he wouldn't have wanted it any other way. But even if the Celtics win and Jason Tatum goes off, it, it was, like, publicly known that Kobe Bryant loved Jason Tatum. And they worked together a lot. And when, on Kobe Bryant's, one of his first ever detail episodes that premieres on ESPN or that is shown on ESPN, he did his detail episode on Jason Tatum. So... You know, there's a relationship there. And um, I'm glad Kobe's going to get to be remembered. How does this series play out? I see uh, it being a a hard fought. We're talking like really low scoring, well-played defensive games. I am terrified, terrified, terrified that the Lakers will shut down our offense. And... um, once the Lakers can can start to control a game with their defense, it's uh it's tough to come back because you know they're capable of scoring at least one out of every three possessions coming down. And if if they're holding you to one every four, every five possessions, they run so well. I mean, it's showtime Lakers at its finest. You got freaking Rajon Rondo throwing oops off the backboard to LeBron in traffic. You know, like who does that? They're tough, but I would take the Celtics uh, in six. Feel you can steal a couple of games late. You're going to have to win at least one of those games on a buzzer beater late game play. It's gonna it's gonna inevitably happen. You gotta capitalize on that moment. If the Celtics miss that one of those shots, and that's the their chance to go up two uh, one in the series, or maybe even um, push it to a two two instead of going down three one. You're, it's over. It's over. You, they're going to have to have one of those shots go down, and I think they're capable of it, and you know who I I want to shoot that shot, and that is JT, and I think he's going to get it done. Brad Stevens has been coaching them really well. They're switching well on defense. The Celtics take the title in six games. The narrative about LeBron James not being able to get it done in the finals continues. It sadly continues because I'm in. I love the guy. I mean, I, I think what he's done is thorough. It's history, obviously. Like, to to go that many consecutive times to NBA Finals, that's sustained greatness. That's better than Michael. Michael had his spurts, great spurts, but sustained greatness probably is the toughest thing to do in, in, the, in the world. It's consistency. I digress. You know who my NBA champion is. Time for the last segment of the day, and that is the sugar daddy segment. I am trying to be your guys' sugar daddy. Um, and the only uh, app that you need in order for me to give you these sugar daddy bucks is uh, either the William Hill or the Station Casino betting app or whatever betting app you use. I am going to give you three picks each episode that are going to put guaranteed cash in your pockets. I'm going to be playing them as well. I'm going to be putting down $20 on each one of these bets. Um, I will let you know how I do um, when when I get the results. Because sometimes I make futures. Sometimes I'm making in-play. This Tennessee Titans one in-play is not one of the three. I just did it because I was like, I want to be like interested in this while I'm watching and doing this. But we move on. The three picks. Coming up this weekend, we got the U.S. Open in golf. Um, It's being played at a course. I think it's called Wingfoot out there in New York. I looked it up. Um, Beautiful flipping course, man. It's like it's like a super nice golf course. No, but the U.S. Open. The reason why I want to put down money on golf is because the odds are insane. And I've been keeping up for the past like month and a half 
to know well enough that my guy at 30 to one odds, $20 down wins me 600. Let me do that math real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's $30 for every $1 I put down $600. I'm putting down $20 on Colin Morikawa to take the U S open. He has already won the PGA championship this year at Harding park. The reason why I'm choosing him is because he's in the contention. It, 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 I chose somebody that if you put your money down on him, he's going to at least have a shot on Sunday. His name's going to be on that little reader where it tells you 10 names. His name will be on there. I, I assure you Colin Morikawa um, and his past like three tournaments. I think he's placed top 10 in every single one of them. So at 30 to one odds, you put 20 bucks down to win $600. It's going to make my Sunday a hell of a lot more interesting, especially when my parlay loses in the morning. My second lock that I'm putting $20 down on is uh, the Clippers game tomorrow. Or if you're listening to it and it's Tuesday today, the Clippers Nuggets game, uh, I'm choosing the under 207 points. I think it was 207 and a half points. It's a game seven. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be physical. I haven't seen any game sevens in the playoffs uh, so far this year go to uh, go over a 200 uh, total points. Hammer that under in a game seven. I was really surprised to see it at a, at 207. That's like that's like shocking to me. That means that they think that the Clippers um, are going to like score over 100 points and might beat the might beat the Nuggets by like 20 or something similar to how the Lakers closed out the Rockets. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Denver team's good enough to at least keep it close. The Denver team is plus seven and a half. I thought about taking that. But I also um, know what the Clippers are capable of. Feel like the under is the way to play that. Hammer the under on a game seven in the NBA playoffs. The last one, a little Thursday night football action. Get your Thursday spicy. Joe Burrow surprised the absolute shit out of me. And I know they played the shitty Chargers. But um, for being a rookie quarterback, you know, he showed poise. He showed confidence. He... uh. He's going to need a slight adjusting period, but they're playing the Browns who just came off a horrendous loss. The Browns fire their kicker. The Browns are the Browns and they they're, they didn't impress me at all. I didn't say they're like gone, but the Bengals are plus five and a half. I think the Bengals lose this game by a field goal similar to how they lost this past week. I don't think Joe Burrow takes them to a victory. All right. I don't think they have those kind of weapons, but I think Joe Burrow is good enough to manage a game, keep it close and uh, lose by a field goal. Take the Bengals plus five and a half Thursday night against the Browns. On Friday, I got my parents coming in the studio. I got Gail. I got Fernando and hopefully I got Fernando Carmona Jr. Um, we're going to have just a little roundtable discussion about Similar things. What's going on in the world? Um, we're going to talk about some childhood stories, stuff that helped shape me into the man that I am today. It's going to be a great episode. It's definitely an episode that I thought of a lot um, when I finished recording like those 21 episodes of my podcast. I was like, I would love to have my parents on here. <coughs> that way you guys can get a good sense as to why I am the way that I am. Simple as that. If you are following Run GMC podcast, you are going to see the name of the podcast switch to the George Carmona podcast. Don't fret. Um, it's just going to be even better content than before. Uh, I'm going to try to stay up as much as I can uh, social media wise. That's one thing that I learned um, during this hiatus that I want to be entertaining on social media, but at the same time, I don't want to drown people with all of this, like keeping up with like the tabloids and all this stuff. It's really draining and it could, uh, can, uh, it, it could take away from the fact that I want you to listen to my podcast in its entirety. 
but keep following. I appreciate your guys' support. Uh, and I hope that not only you listen to this, but you listen to the episode on Friday. It's going to be a good one. Um, and also listen to our sponsor, the lukewarm cinema podcast. You can find that on Apple and Spotify. You could find our podcast, this podcast, George Carmona podcast, Apple, Spotify, and in the YouTube video will be uploaded at some point uh, during the week. I want to mess around with some of the editing, create some of my title sequences, create some of my segment CGs. And that is all. I appreciate your love. George Carmona podcast saying goodbye.